Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Alex here. I hope you're having an awesome week so far. Hey, before we hop into the podcast, I just wanted to let you know, we're going to be hearing from a guest speaker this week. Her name's Valerie Bellamy, and she's with Compassion First, and she is awesome. You guys are going to love her. In a moment, you'll hear Jake reference a video. We just wanted to let you know that we've posted the link to that video in the sermon description. Uh, We didn't want y'all to be confused um, by what that was, and if you want to go check it out yourself, just click on that link. Y'all enjoy it. Um, I pray that Jesus would just minister to your heart through it. And um, yeah, a big thank you to Valerie and Compassion First for sharing with us. Many of you know, I don't know if everybody has heard this, but many of you know that our, our dear friends, Andrew and Dira, uh, have been preparing, I mean, for a decade or more, but in, in the most recent months have been preparing for a move to Indonesia um, to go be a part of a work there, um, ministering powerfully. And so um, we have the gift this morning of Valerie Bellamy being here. Valerie, would you just stand up for a minute? I'll invite her up in a minute. We're gonna watch a video first. That's Valerie. She'll be up here talking to you in a second. Um, here with Compassion First. So this is the organization that Andrew and Deer are coming alongside, partnering with, that's helping send them there. And so they're gonna be serving with Compassion First. And so we're gonna get to hear about the redemptive work that God is doing through Compassion First, and it'll give us more of a sense of not only what Andrew and Deer are doing, but friends, like what we are doing with them, through them, like we are partnering with our friends to send them there. And so we do that with our prayers. We do that with financial gifts. We do it with support. Like they are, are an extension of our church body going there. And it's because we aren't anything special. We're just an extension of the kingdom of God. We get to be a small part of that. And so we are participating together and the redemptive work God is doing. And so we're gonna open this with a video and then Valerie will come up and share. And so just wanna encourage you guys, open your minds, open your hearts to just hear about Compassion First. And then if you have time this morning, I know there's often a lot to do after church on Sunday, but if you have time, there's just this really cool setup back here, kind of front and back on this stuff, stuff in the background that really helps tell the story. And so I'd encourage you to take your time through there. There's a table back there that has more information too, so you can learn about it. So if you're able to linger this morning, you can do that and you can talk to these guys as well. So can we give our attention to this video for a minute? And then we'll hear from Valerie in just a few. I just marvel at God's goodness to us. I marvel at how he pursues and meets us where we are in this space and how he pursues and meets women and girls on the other end of the planet. And it's so easy to notice and to focus on what may be different between us, our language, our culture, our material wealth. But more and more, and more I realize, like, at the heart, we are, we are all the same. And the needs of our heart are, are common. And Jesus just knows how to, like, meet us where we're at. And it has been a beautiful thing for me. So I've 10 years been 
I'm connected to Compassion First. I get to serve as director of operations, so I get to come alongside our um, about 80 Indonesian staff who are serving um, throughout the islands there. In Bart, I'm just going to focus on it mostly that third slide. I'm not, I'm not going to run through this whole presentation. But what I can say is as that as we are seeing girls being rescued from commercial sex trafficking there, and we bring them into these homes that are scattered throughout this nation, that there are, there's trauma counseling, there's educators, there's legal advocacy, there's house moms, there's security guards, there's you know, a team of about 40 around staff that work around the clock with the girl at the center. And all of these resources are really valuable, but I can tell you what changes the heart is the love of Jesus. And in a nation where it's about 90% Muslim, and the girls from Bali are Hindu, and there's just, a, just a, such an eclectic smattering of like humanity and beliefs. And yet, when someone encounters the love of Jesus, like just the defenses just fall. So we are seeing him bring life to dead places and doing things that only he can do. And I have a choice this morning. I only get a few minutes and I'm actually grateful, Pastor Jake, for any minute at all. Um, and I was going to like walk you through like what we do, where we do it, how we do it. And here's the thing, like it's all amazing. And honestly, it's all beyond me. Those staff in Indonesia carry these things with excellent excellence. And those banners will tell a story. We've got our brochures will tell a story. You know, if you want more details on the logistics, like I'm happy to have those conversations. But I guess in a few minutes that I'm allotted, I just, I just want to let you know why. And I thought of a couple things this morning that I actually wasn't preparing to share. But God brought some things back to my mind. Some experiences I've had in Indonesia, and one in particular. So we work in a smattering of islands there, one of our focus is we work in communities that are especially vulnerable for their children be, to be trafficked. These particular communities like live in the, in the cemeteries, so they make cemeteries their home. They, um, not because they want to live in a cemetery, but it is a last resort for them. The women in the cemetery clean the graves for about 10 cents, and then they sell themselves at those same graves for 75 cents at night just for the survival of their children. And we get to do life there. And I have to tell you, those places are the most sacred, beautiful places I have ever been. So we get to serve in those communities. And then, of course, we get to serve on the other end of the spectrum where we get to serve girls who have unfortunately been, have lived the nightmare of trafficking but have been rescued. We get to help fund those rescues and help coordinate them at times, 
bring them back into these homes and just help them put their pieces back together for a hope, hopeful, for a better future. And the commitment to those girls is, here's the thing, like, this is a long-term thing. So as big as you can dream, and as much as, as you are willing to commit to this dream, we'll go with you. And so the dream is not that she just heals from the trauma of her past, but that she begins actually to look to her future and dream. And when she can go from just trying to survive this day, this hour, to actually raising up her head and like seeing a future, that's when the magic happens, actually. So we have a girl in medical school. We have two girls in law school. We have girls who's at, who um, it's in seminary and in nursing schools and accounting. And those who, some just went, wanted to go back to their villages and start their families. And so to watch these girls dream and then just to walk alongside them as they make it happen, like joy. And as you may expect, like for every joyful, everything we have to celebrate, there are a dozen things that you grieve. It's all, that's, I think that's called life, right? And it was a handful of years ago, and we're not like, I don't know what you think of when you think of anti-trafficking work. We're not the ones that like go kick in any doors. Um, well, we work with the police. We fund rescues. Um, we, try, we work with government relations. We try to work within the system, and in, in so doing, we kind of, the, the slower change. But there was one time, um, a handful of years ago, where we began to do work in these cemeteries with these women. And we got to see them start to come to life, dream a little bit for a different future, got to resource them with just some skills and some opportunities for entrepreneurship and for just to support their families in a way that was more dignifying for them. And what we began to realize as, you know, a couple of years doing life in the cemetery with these women and meeting these children, and meeting these little girls who are at the time seven years old, eight years old. But then they're eight, nine years old, and they're 10 years old, and they're 11 years old, and then they are sold. So watching a little girl grow up in that environment is not for the faint of heart. And I remember the first time that a little girl that we had known was taken from East Java to Bali to be trafficked. And I remember for me, even though I was in the middle of this work at that time, realizing that for me, like anti-trafficking, the work that we get to do, like it was absolutely worth my life and giving myself for. But to me, it was very much a cause. Like this is a good cause. But when it's a little girl that you know, that you've watched grow up, that you love. And so though it's not our focus, and we had never done it before up to that point, there was no question of, well, we go for her. Because you go for the one that you love. And I remember my friend and I, who at the time was helping oversee that ministry, we flew to Bali, not having any connections there. Unfortunately, the police in Bali have proven mostly to be not helpful. 
but to get to Bali and to work with friends of organizations, others who are doing this work in Bali, who met us at the airport and helped us to locate this girl. And she was being sold, 12 years old, being sold up in a jungle brothel in Ubud in Bali. And working with officials there and my friends there, we located the girl. And then the day of the rescue had come. And I was given, my job that day was not to go into that brothel to pull her out, but my job that day was to go to the airport and wait for her mom. Her mom was a sex worker in the cemetery, had never left, had had worked, lived and worked in that community for dozens of years, never seen an airplane, never left her island, never, didn't have as, uh, any kind of education, not even elementary. And even though she's registered legally as a Muslim, like her, her belief system was witchcraft. And the police needed their mother's permission in, or in order for this, to, to get this girl and also to get her to a safe place. And so my job was to meet this mother who I had known for quite some time at the airport and try to help her understand what was going on. And, and then also encourage her to make some good decisions on the behalf of her daughter. And so I got to pick her up from the airport and I had an hour between when I picked her up and the police station that we were headed to in the jungles. And I just said, here's the thing, we don't have very much time. I know it feels like a lot, and actually it is a lot, but we have one hour. So do you have any questions? And of all the things that she could have asked me, she just said, why are you doing this? Like all of this trouble for my one daughter, for my one family. We're nothing. Why? And I did say, well, you're right. Actually, it is a lot of trouble. <laughs> like, you don't know all the people praying. You don't know all the people involved. You don't know all the strategizing. Yeah, it's a lot of trouble. But you go for the one you love, right? And look at you. Never even seen an airplane. You got on one. Never left your island and you flew across the ocean to go for the one that you love, right? And so we pull up to this police station hours later. Did secure her daughter who did not want to go with us. And you may think that these children are very happy to be rescued. They're not. They are, the trafficker in their mind is the one who loves them. And I remember this little girl, like we had to put her in the middle of, I was wearing a car, I was here, she was here. We had to kind of secure the door so she didn't bolt out. She's a mess. Her mom's crying. And then we see the trafficker walk out of the police doors to his vehicle in the parking lot and just waves to us as he goes. And the consequence for him selling a child in the jungle to tourists was he had to sign a paper that if he were to employ a minor again, that there would be consequences. Well, that, that is the environment 
And at the end of that day, we had that little girl in a safe place. And taking that mom back to the airport, we stopped and we ate together. And I asked her one more time, I couldn't imagine how like her mind must be swimming about what happened that day. And I just said, hey, like, how do you feel now? Do you have any questions? What just happened or what's going to happen? And then she just said, well, I just have one question. Like, why do you do it? And then you guys, like, it was a moment that, like, I wish that every one of you could have been there. Because first of all, I'm like, well, here's the thing. Do you know why we did it? (laughs) Because you go for the one you love, right? Like, you went for the one that you love. And let me tell you something, that there is a God who loves you like that. And like you stopped at nothing to get to the one you love, there is a God who stopped at nothing to get to the one he loves, and that's you. And his name is Jesus. And it was as if, like, I could just see, like, her whole countenance, like, changed. This cemetery prostitute, Black magic. But in that moment, when she realized that there is a God who comes for her, and Jesus is his name, and this is what he's done to get to her, her whole countenance changed. And she said, she said, well... I can't wait to go back home to tell my friends my story, my new story. And then she goes back to that cemetery and telling her friends her new story of a God who goes for her, who who went for her daughter. And then in her joining that pursuit, found out that he he was pursuing her. That's why. That's why, we, that, that, that's why we go, because we know that there's a God who came for us. And so it's not out of obligation. It's actually a joy. When we realize the extent that God has gone to get to us, we cannot help but want to go with him wherever else he wants to go. It's not something we check off our checklist. It is a joy. It is a joy. My very favorite scripture, and I have it like on the entrance of my home, right when my boys walk in, is everything in Luke 15 I love. The very first, very first story, I believe, it's one of the stories when we talk about the sheep. And Jesus is saying, okay, and I know that you've all heard it. A man has a hundred sheep, one wanders away, the shepherd goes for the one, that 99 apparently stay put. And here's the thing. I don't know if it's ever bugged you, but it's always bothered me about what about the 99? You know, like, and then if we were to look in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, when Jesus is talking about sheep, what does he say about them? He says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep follow me. 
Where I go, they go. And it made me wonder, I wonder when that shepherd like went for that lost sheep, if the 99 were supposed to just join. If the shepherd's there, what are they doing just hanging out in the field by themselves? Just hanging, grazing on, grazing on the grass, complaining when it, complaining when it dries up huddled together while the shepherd's out pursuing the one. And they actually, I believe with all my heart, they were invited on that adventure. Because where he goes, we go. And the sad thing is, they probably didn't know the shepherd had left the field. Where he is, we want to be. And not only for the benefit of those that we get, the one that we get to go for, but I'm telling you, along the way we realize, oh, wow. When he calls me to pursue another, like he is actually in pursuit of my heart and I am alive. And I love, I can sense in this place, Pastor Jake and those that I've met, like this is a church, like you're going. How beautiful. Whether that's Indonesia, whether that's across the street. And I think if the presence of God left this place, I think you'd know it. He lives here with you. I sensed him. I mean, not even as we worship together, but every person I've met from this place, I've experienced Jesus through. And so, how cool that Andrew and Dira have just said yes to this adventure. But I have to be honest, equally as beautiful and meaningful to me is that you all have. How beautiful. And so we go because there is one that came for us and he invites us on to the journey. He is pursuing the one, and there's always a one in every room. You walk into the room, God is like, there is, there, he's always on the pursuit of the one. And what a joy to be included on that adventure. So that's all I've got, Pastor Jake. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for bringing the word this morning. Thanks for preaching. You know, I, I hope y'all were picking up on this, but like we're not just hearing about what's happening through Compassion First and what's happening in Indonesia. What Valerie's inviting us into is what we've been talking about as a church body. Like that's, we're talking about making disciples. This is what it's about. Figuring out where, Lord, where do you have me right now in this season? What life am I called to touch, to influence? And like, I know we had dinner last night together, several of us, and like, hearing Valerie's story, like this is a wife and a mom of three boys who lives in Portland, Oregon. And she just said yes one step at a time to the things the Lord was laying in front of her. She said yes to like one trip, one moment. I don't want to tell her story for her, but even drug her feet maybe a little bit to that first trip, but just said yes and took the next step. And like, it's incredible to watch what God does in our own lives 
and what he'll allow us to be a part of to impact other people's lives. And so, yes, as a church, like we are inviting us all on this journey with the Sorianos, with Compassion First, but also this is just a reminder of some of the ways the Lord might have us participate in what he's doing, maybe right here in Knoxville, maybe right in your own neighborhood or at your job, in your home. For sure, he wants us all to participate. Amen. So what we're going to do to kind of wrap things up this morning, Andrew and dear, would y'all come up here as well? We just want to agree together in prayer over Andrew and Deera and lift up Valerie and Compassion First as a whole. Um, and then um, my wife's in class, but Alex and Crystal, could y'all come up? Nick and Kristen, could y'all come up? Just have our elders come up and we'll surround these guys. And church family, just agree with us in prayer. Um, we're, you know, we believe in prayer. We believe in prayer because it's, it's God who does the work. Somehow, some way, he's decided that he'd like us to be a part of it. <laughs> so we cooperate with what he's doing, but he does the work. And so we're just gonna pray, agree together in prayer for these guys. So, all right, well, Lord, we just come before you and God, thank you for the gift of this morning together. And Lord, what you've been doing right here in our midst what you want it to say through Valerie and what she has shared through our time in worship and in prayer. And Lord, thank you for what you're up to in this world, God, that, that your kingdom is moving in powerful ways right here in our backyard and around the world in Indonesia. And God, our prayer this morning, it's simple. Jesus, it's what you taught us to pray. God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, but God, we say specifically right here in Knoxville, God, these islands in Indonesia, what you're doing in Portland, Oregon, Lord, would your kingdom come right there? And so we thank you for the people standing up here who have said yes, who are inviting you to move through their lives, through their willingness to go after the one. And so good shepherd, we pray that you would lead and guide them every step of the way. God, we pray for Valerie and her work that's much of it is here stateside, but God, whether she's here or in Indonesia, God, that you would just continue to take her by the hand and guide her step by step, moment through moment through the work she's doing. And God, we pray for her as a wife, as a mom. Lord, you continue to equip her to live with purpose right there in her own family. And God, we lift up Andrew and Dira. We lift up their children, God, that you would order their steps God, that you would maximize this last bit of their time here in the U.S. before they leave after the first of the year. And God, we just pray you would guide them every step of the way as they get established there. Lord, that you would be establishing them. God, thank you for their children, that you've got a purpose for each one of them too. And so God, we commit our friends into your care. We are excited and humbled to be a part of it. God, would you help all of us know, not just in this moment, but as we move forward in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead, how we can partner with Andrew and Deera and with this ministry. God, that we would think of them often. We would pray for them often. And God, that there are ways that you move on our heart to participate, that we would say yes and do it. And so God, we love you. We commit them into your care. God, we commit ourselves into your care. Would you help us to see who the one is in our lives like today, this week? And God, how we can join you in what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.